We begin a new series today, and when we come to certain times of the year, it's my habit to start a new series of sermons. So during my vacation, I'm not just sitting around. <laughs> I'm spending time searching through the Bible, looking for a new topic. In doing so, I consider all the things I have done in the past so as not to be repetitive. And I mainly try to think, uh, what do we need as a church right at this time as some of the driving forces that help me decide? And then, of course, I ask God to guide my thoughts. Well, as you all know, these are unusual times. We have been evicted from our church, and we're glad we had a place to go. The parking lot was provided by God before we ever knew we needed it. And I was searching for a new topic, and it occurred to me we'd never been in a situation like this one before. And so the topic I would normally choose for the fall season wouldn't be appropriate. So I asked God to guide me. I also prayed a special prayer that God would guide Levi as he chose what topics to speak on. So I chose my topic, and I'm going to begin this morning. And then when I came to Sun Levi's Sunday school class, I found he chose the same topic. And as a matter of fact, he chose the exact same verse that I had chosen. Don't, don't apologize if God speaks. You know, he's going to make sense of things. And so he was, he was running our minds in the same channels. And of all the verses in the whole Bible, we chose the exact same verse for our topic. So I thank Levi for listening to God's voice as he filled in for me on my vacation. Well done. Well done. One of the reasons I chose this topic was based on something I heard the very first week of the coronavirus. There was a group of pastors on the radio, and they were talking about what was coming. And they said, this new situation is going to redefine what the church is all about. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm sick and tired of the word redefine. If you define something, you explain the meaning of it and say what the meaning of the word is. If you redefine it, you change its meaning. Our governor said that we needed to redefine what our society was going to be. And so he opened the prisons and closed the churches. That's not the society we want. We reject your new definition of society. We reject a society that leaves God out. So no thank you, Governor. We don't want your new society. Amen. People are trying to redefine all kinds of things. Marriage, defined as a union of a man and a woman. It was God's idea. People have tried to redefine marriage. Sin, what God says is wrong. People redefine find what God clearly stated as being wrong into just a choice of a lifestyle. History, the achievements of great men, men like Christopher Columbus and George Washington and Teddy Roosevelt. People try to redefine history and tear down the statue.
statues that honored great men of the past. I'm tired of redefining, and the church does not need to be redefined. The definition remains the same. People gather together to sing and to pray and to worship God and learn about God and study the Bible. That's the definition of the church. It does not need to be redefined. Now we have added new dimensions to church. Whoever thought I'd be speaking into a little cell phone? That little cell phone would carry my words out. I don't even own a cell phone. Every week I talk into a little cell phone and it carries the message out. I ran into an old friend of mine named Joe. He lives quite a ways away from here. And he said to me, I watch you every week on my wife's cell phone. He says, you look better in person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I do. But it's been a useful new tool for us to use. People who are sick, people who have had operations, people who live far away, even people who live across the ocean. My niece was here from India. She listened to us in India. I'm grateful for those who have made it possible for us to use this new technology, but it does not change the definition of the church. People gathering together to worship and pray and read God's word. I have some very old books that I like to read. I was going through an old book of sermons a few weeks ago And I came across a sermon, and there was a little paragraph before the sermon. It said, this sermon was preached when the churches were all closed due to influenza. So it's not the first time churches have ever closed. But when they closed the churches for influenza, they didn't try to redefine church. After it was over, they opened the churches back up and they did as they always used to do, which is our plan exactly. Now, my friends, people can gather in any place to have church. In ancient Rome, they gathered in the catacombs underneath the city in the caves, hiding for their lives. The first Methodists under John Wesley gathered in fields and in barns and on street corners to have church. And in the 1850s, right here in East Shelby, up on that corner there, they gathered in an old stone schoolhouse to have church. In 1989, we ourselves gathered in my house to have church. It matters not where you gather, in a parking lot or under the shade trees. What matters is that we gather in Jesus' name to worship him. And so to help us understand what church is all about, I've decided to start a new series and look closely at a very wonderful church and see what they did and how they behaved to see what the real definition of church is all about. So we will know what to do ourselves. Now, it's always been my policy when it comes to other churches, M-Y-O-B, mind your own business. I've got all I can handle to take care of our church. I don't need to be uh, involved in other churches' affairs, and so I always mind my own business. I don't know what other churches are doing, but this time we're going to stick our nose in another church's business, and we're going to talk about their affairs. 
And before it's over, we may even gossip about that church. <laughs> the church we're going to examine is the church at a place called Philippi. Of course, we can't hurt anybody's feeling. They've been dead for 2,000 years. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 as we begin our new series from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you, peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, with Timothy as his secretary, is dictating a letter to the church at Philippi. The reason is he can't go visit them. So he writes a letter, and the reason he can't go visit them is that he's in jail. Paul is in jail. So instead of visiting, he's going to write them a nice letter. So here we go as the letter begins. Verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul says, whenever I think of you people, makes me all happy inside. When I pray for you, I'm giving thanks to God for you. And when I think of what we did together, I'm all filled with joy. My friends, here is the magic formula. Here's what church is all about. Here's why it is essential that we gather together. Can't you see it? Paul absolutely loves these people. I had a young man who was studying to be a pastor. He came to my house for a visit. He was taking all the classes that they tell pastors need. I told him there's something important that they might not teach you in Bible school. I said, if you really want to be a pastor, before you learn to preach and before you organize and before you lead people, the number one important thing for you to do is this. Love your people. When people gather together, something special happens and they learn to love each other. And when we don't gather, that's the missing element. Now, Paul had a real history with his church at Philippi. Listen to Paul as he describes how the church in Philippi got started. I'm over in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wanted to be made. And we sat down, spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In Paul's travels, he came to this town of Philippi, and through the grapevine somehow, he heard that there was a prayer meeting some ladies were holding down by the riverside. So he went down to investigate, and he found these ladies, and it says he told them about Jesus that they didn't know. He told them how Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave, and one of the ladies was so happy, she said, I'm going to be baptized right now, and they went right in the river and she got baptized. Her name was Lydia. And she said, Paul, will you come home with me 
to my house. Please come. And so it was the church of Philippi started in Lydia's house with Paul as the pastor. A couple days later in Philippi, Paul was arrested and he and his friend Silas were thrown into prison. And in prison, they're singing and praying. Suddenly, God sent an earthquake and opened all the prison doors. And the Bible tells us a jailer took a sword. He was going to kill himself, believing the prisoners had escaped. And Paul yelled, oh, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the Bible says the jailer came in, dropped down on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul told him about Jesus too. And now the church of Philippi had a group of ladies and a jailer and his family all meeting in Lydia's house. Oh, it was fun, exciting and inspiring. Everyone loved each other. The church of Philippi was born. Now listen to what Paul says back in Philippians, verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul, what a wonderful piece of information for us all. What God starts, he never leaves undone. He always finishes whatever he starts. So realize, my friend, the prayer meeting by the river and Paul ever finding it and the earthquake and the jailer was all God taking people's lives and weaving them together into the church. The beginning of the church at Philippi was God's work. He did it. My friends, you are not sitting here under these shade trees by accident. God created the circumstances that made you come here. And God weaved our lives together into a beautiful and unique tapestry called the East Shelby Church. And God opened the doors to start it in my house. And God opened the doors to help us buy that old building up there. And God opened the doors so we could have a huge parking lot. It's God who gets things started. And rest assured, he will finish Anything he starts. Amen. It's not so with you and me, is it? (laughs) We got all sorts of projects half done, don't we? We get distracted. We run out of time. Sometimes we run out of energy. Or we run out of money. (laughs) And our projects are often left unfinished. But not God. If he started the church in Philippi, he, says Paul, will finish it. When? He says at the day of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns to earth and sets up his kingdom. He's going to be faithful to his church right to the very end. It's just as true for East Shelby as it was for Philippi. God is with us and he's going to be with us right till the end. Right till the day Jesus comes. And we will carry on until that day. Now listen as Paul tells them how much he loves them. Verse number 7. Even that is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. 
inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You're in my heart, he said. I can't get you out. I love you. I miss you, he says to them, and I really long to be with you. In verse number nine, in this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He says, I know you people in Philippi love each other. And I pray your love for each other will grow and grow and develop into a deeper kind of love. Not just a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, but a knowledge that understands why you love each other. And that knowledge that grasps And you'll have a grasp of your relationships to each other so complete when that love grows and develops become deeper that you would never harm each other or hurt each other's feelings. That your love will be sincere and that when you choose to do the right things, that deep An abiding love that you have for each other will show the rest of the world what love is all about. My friends, in this hate-filled world, let the church at East Shelby shine as a light into the darkness. Let the world out there see that the pastor loves his people and the people love each other and together we all love Jesus with all of our hearts. Yeah. Amen. My friends, that will be the true church if we do that and that doesn't need to be redefined. It's perfect, just the way God made it. In this world where hatred and fear and jealousy run rampant, we can be a shining light, we can be a beacon into a dark and confused world. So I don't need to have the church redefined by anybody else. I'll take God's definition. I like the church just the way he defined it. And especially because God isn't finished with it yet. He's working on us here in East Shelby. He didn't abandon us. He didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He's going to keep helping us and working with us. Now Paul says it's our responsibility to work with him. To cooperate and do his will. That's our responsibility. We have a job to do. To love each other. And to give ourselves to each other. And to support each other. And to know each other's needs. And to pray for each other. We are to cooperate with God. He will help us. 
And we do our part, and together we will be the true church of Jesus Christ, not redefined, but just the way God planned it. So may God bless you as you love each other. And we go on in the book of Philippians, find out what else God wants us to do. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the truth of God that stands firm no matter what anybody says. That we don't need to redefine it. We just need to find it out and do it. We thank you for the guidance given to us as we look at your word. It shows us a wonderful church. We want to be like that, Lord. We want to be like that church. So guide us and help us. Make us useful to you in this world that's filled with darkness and hatred. And may we love each other until the very end, till it's over with and we leave this world, or until Christ comes. Let it be known that here in East Shelby we love each other and we love God. Bless us, Lord, as we continue these studies, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Closing, I'd like you to sing a song with us. It's on the front of your bulletins. It's called, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds Our Hearts in Christian Love. Standing together as we sing, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds, right on the front of your bulletin. back with us over there. Happy to have him back. Feeling well enough to be here. I'm going to ask Levi to close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us and how you hold us through the storms of life and watch over us. Lord, we pray that our love for each other in this church would grow. You would strengthen us, help us to know something more deeply about the love of God, and may it come and be shed abroad in our hearts, Lord. May we spread it to those around us. May we see each other's needs and feel the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. We just ask for these guidance as each and every day, as we walk through our lives and as the world seems to get stranger in this place, Lord, just help us to trust more fully in you. Help us to lean more on those wonderful friends we have in this place. Those friends in which we'll spend eternity with, Lord. 
We thank you, Lord, so much for how much you've cared for us. And Lord, we especially ask for your protection in this place here. Protect us. Bring us back to this place and out in the world. Protect us. Watch over us in so many ways. We do not know the perils that lurk around, Lord, but we do know that you know them all. And so we trust for you to take care of us all, bring us back, protect us, and be with us. We ask for your help this week to do what is right and to stand for you. In your name we pray.